Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Den Talks podcast is powered by denanywhere.com. You guys go to denanywhere.com now, no matter where you live in the world, and you can take our classes virtually and live. Go to denanywhere.com and sign up for just $29.99 a month. You get a limited access to our classes with over 150 a month to choose from. Plus, most of them are archived. So if you can't make the exact time, you can catch them later. We still also have our workshops and our certifications now all accessible to you no matter where you are. Go to denanywhere.com. Hello, welcome to Den Talks Podcast. This is Tal Rabinowitz, and I am your host and the founder of Den Meditation. We are talking about breath today and breathing. And anyone who takes my classes, um, or probably any classes at the Den, um, knows how important breath is. It really is a vehicle to just a deeper understanding of yourself and to a deeper way of actually release. And it's funny how constrictive we are in the moment with our breath and how little we're actually nourishing ourselves. So I have Anna Lilia on today to talk about that. And she is a certified breathwork teacher and a healer um, and a clairvoyant, all these amazing things. And we talk about that. We just talk about how important the breath is um, and how Breathwork has really shifted people, especially during this time of COVID, which has been really difficult. She talks about her own transformations in life, which I really love. We really go into her childhood and talk about how difficult there were moments. You know, she comes from a Mexican family. She was first generation. And, you know, I don't want to reveal too much. You have to listen, but we do really talk about kind of the struggles that she went through as a kid and how her own healing happened and transformation happened and just kind of within through forgiveness. And there's some great stories. She is lovely. Um, and I think you're going to really enjoy this episode. So take a listen, let us know. And also don't forget, subscribe to denanywhere.com. You guys can take classes at any time. So it doesn't matter where you live. We have people from all around the world. It's a great community. If you can't make a live class, the on-demand library is extensive and great and easy to find whatever it is you need, not to mention our weekly workshops and our courses and our certifications, all with different options of taking things kind of virtually live or 
ones that are created for you on demand. So whenever you want, again, amazing certifications you can take during your own time at your own pace. Go to denanywhere.com. Enjoy the episode. Tell me a little bit about you. So I love all this breath work that you do, and we'll get into the more specifics about breath work, especially probably how handy it's been during this time for so many people. But like, how did you even begin? Like, where where are you from? I was born and raised in Napa. Really? Immigrant parents. And my parents are from Mexico, so I'm first generation. And it was beautiful to grow up in Napa. At the time, it was not what it is now. Right. It was just a quiet, sleepy town. Like farm country. Yeah, farm country, um, very working, middle class. Um, so it's it was beautiful to to grow up there. But being the daughter of immigrant parents, and I'm the oldest of four girls, um, you know, there was a lot of adjustment and kind of learning and being kind of forced to become an adult from a young age. And my dad was an alcoholic. And so that added a a whole other layer of stress into our family dynamic. So although we grew up in a really beautiful, idyllic town, the family life was, was cool. And that just... Did you say your grandparents were there? The grandparents were, my dad's parents were there. So they were there. And then a lot of his siblings. So we had quite a bit of family in Napa, which was great. Um, But yeah, it was a a challenging, stressful childhood that later manifested into a whole other series of things that I was invited to look at as an adult. That's a nice way to say it. Are you, you said, was it all girls? Is that what you said? Mm -hmm. Four of you, all girls. And you were the The oldest. Oldest. And um, is your dad still alive? He is alive, yeah. And, and how's he he's doing? He's been sober for a long time, but you know, unfortunately, he did. You know, he did rehab for thirty days. Never drank after that, but because he didn't continue to seek support or really get to the core of what was having him drink, um, the addiction manifested in other ways, and the anxiety. He suffers from a lot of anxiety is still there. So that's interesting. It's actually such an interesting point that you brought up because it's like, you do see that. I mean, he clearly has a strong enough willpower that he doesn't drink. I mean, that's obviously if he hasn't solved the core problem and he hasn't drank since that 30 day stint, he clearly has that, you know, which some people have, some people don't, but this Mm -hmm. like power of like, I'm just not going to do it. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting how, when you still don't deal with the problem, it just manifests in other ways. Now do any, and it sounds like if anxiety is the big one, it's manifesting in a way that doesn't seem in his mind as dangerous. So you don't, you don't deal with it. Yeah. I mean, after he stopped drinking, then it was like chain smoking. Then it became like eating a lot of sugar. Then it became like any sensation that he felt in his body, he had to go to the doctor and he's like overprescribed medication. Um, But since I started my healing journey, I have also introduced him and my mom to just different modalities. And it's been really cool to see how he's been open to it. Oh, wow. And has gone to to healers as well. And 
actually is very spiritual. I had no idea, but apparently he like calls onto Archangel Michael and all this stuff, which is really fascinating because he doesn't talk a lot. Like he, he doesn't share. Um, but in moments of conversation, when I've been sharing my journey with him, he's started to open up, which has been a really cool bonding experience. Well, that's beautiful. Yeah. Don't you feel like, I feel like the Mexican lineage is actually very spiritual. Sometimes it feels it like it falls is. more in a religious tone, but the overlap, yeah. it feels like it always has such a depth of spirituality. Yeah, there's a lot of conflict because Catholicism is huge and they have very strict rules. Mm-hmm. And so actually my mom um, struggled with the spirituality and kind of with what I do for work or doesn't really understand it. And whenever I suggest to her, hey, maybe you should check out this, she's a lot more hesitant. And so she's more like, I just need to pray and ask for God's help, which, you know, fine, do that. Um, but within my extended family, like looking back, I'm like, wait, my grandmother used to have strangers come into her house and she would massage their abdomen. And that was like a form of helping people heal right? Um, and using herbs and lighting candles and definitely like calling on to angels to help when, when things were stressful. So there, there is a lot of mysticism and, and beauty that, you know, I, I learned and I watched as I was little and growing up in a Catholic church, I was also very religious, but then I got to a point where I was really disappointed in the Catholic church and stuff happened at my personal parish church where I wasn't okay with it and nobody wanted to have a conversation with it about it. What happened? Like, wait, we can't just, the priest was accused of inappropriately touching the altar boy, like as typical typical as it can get. (laughs) And then he was just, and then he was just ushered away. And this was someone that I really looked up to. It's someone, you know, who I trusted. And then shortly after, then also the bishop was accused of like laundering money. Oh my God. Oh my God. What what is going on? And I wanted to talk about it and my mom would refuse. And she was just like, it's in God's hands. I'm like, that is not okay. Like, no, we can't just pretend that this didn't happen. And so that, in addition to just other stuff, one of my sisters is gay and I just you know, the Catholic church's stance on gay people. I'm like, how can we continue to go and support this organization that is telling us that my sister and your daughter is going to hell and that she's a terrible person. And how, what is your parents' stance on that as far as your sister? They're very accepting. Um, That's interesting. It's, yeah. I always find that I've dealt with that with my parents too, in some ways, sometimes with politics where it's like, some of the most open and accepting humans, but then when yeah. it comes to making choices, it doesn't always back it up, which I find fascinating. Yeah. It's almost like they don't actually realize because it doesn't affect them, the impact that has. Yeah. Yeah. It's all very complicated and layered. And I'm actually the only one in my family that doesn't go to church. Like, even if I'm home, I refuse to step foot in because- Does that drive your mom crazy? I think at this point, 
they just accept it. And I've always been the one in the family who I do whatever I want, <laughs> no, no matter what, which has been very difficult for them um, on being just like a strong-willed, not conservative Mexican woman. Um, so I don't, I don't have a, like, I'm not married. I don't have a family. Um, and I think that's been really difficult for my mom because all of her peers and other family members, like their grandmothers and they have children and they just have a, a traditional life. And that, that's just not my life. And I always try to live my truth and really honor what is right for me in the moment. And the few times where I haven't done that, my body like tells me, I'm like, right. I feel like I get sick. And so it's very short lasting and I have to like quit the job or whatever it is. Well, I was going to say, talk um, about a time when that happened to you. It was yeah. when I first moved to LA and I was uh, a recent UC Berkeley graduate and I was working for a publicist <laughs> and it was actually a job that I wanted in the music industry. Um, but when I actually did the job, it was not what I thought it was going to be. And um, at the time I was also auditioning or wanting to. And so I would ask for, if I could quickly run for an audition and he was not okay with no, that. Like, I was no, you have work to do. I'm like, I'm stuffing envelopes. Like it can wait. <laughs> so that job lasted two months and I got fired and I was so happy. Um, but I got fired. And after that, I just had been a freelancer. So I have had the most random odd jobs. And I worked a lot as a commercial actor and did print work. And then it wasn't until I also got really involved in my union, SAG AFTRA. Hmm. And so I got into activism. Um, but then I, there was a point in my life about seven years ago where I was in total victim mode where I felt like life was just happening mm -hmm. at me and I wasn't in control and nothing was going right. Like I was putting all this effort, but I felt like I wasn't being respected. I felt like I wasn't being heard. Um, and I was just like, poor me, poor me. And so <laughs> during that time, I was doing psychotherapy and that actually was really helpful in becoming aware how all of my past trauma has, is still with me. It's just playing out in different ways and with different people. Having that awareness was life-changing for me. I, it was like my eyes were opened and I was able to start to have, well, it was just starting my healing journey of forgiveness, of what we feel like was the first thing you had to forgive my dad and him being an alcoholic and being really aware that when I would talk about that in the past even as an adult I would start sobbing like a little girl and I could barely even get the words out. and it was fascinating to be in therapy and be conscious of that 
and have my therapist ask me, how old are you in this moment? And answer like seven years old, right? And like being, feeling like I was in the body of my little girl, of seeing my dad drink, of all the, the anger that was expressed, the rage, the, the really scary moments of him driving drunk with us in the car, being pulled over by police, you know, like all of these dramatic experiences um, coming back to the surface and, and starting to learn like, wow, that is still in my body. Like literally it's shaking Wow, in my and, body. And how do you feel like it was playing out in your life at that moment? Like in that, not that exact moment, but like how, how, how are you still playing out those dynamics in your everyday life? I didn't even know that what, how I was behaving was the anxiety manifesting. So I started to have, well, first of all, I would be constantly worrying no matter what, like if my boyfriend at the time didn't meet me exactly at the time where he said he was going to be, like immediately I thought he was dead, like always going to worst case scenario. Um, I would have, I would grind my teeth at night. So I would wake up with terrible pain in the jaw. I started to develop these skin issues where like weird stuff on my face as well. I would get warts. I would get um, like terrible eczema. I would get, what else do I have? I even had like herpes on my face. I'm like, I would tell my dermatologist, I'm like, what is happening? Like I make money from my face. Like what is going on? And she's like, I don't know what to tell you. It's really strange, but yeah, we don't know why you get these things, especially on your face. And I started to have digestive issues as well, where I would have like diarrhea. I would have terrible bloating. Um, and I would also have some compulsive, like I didn't, because I saw my dad drink and just how devastating that can be to one's life. I actually like stayed away from alcohol, but I used running or like spinning as a way to kind of obsessively try to get the noise from my mind out of my body. And it helped in a certain way, but not really because then I had, I used to be a long distance runner. Then it became, um, a dysfunctional relationship with the running as well, as well, where I would use it almost as a way to punish myself. Oh, I would run to the point, like I'm talking about like 12 miles in one, one day. Every single right? time. Yeah. yeah. And like my knees are like killing me and I would just like push through. It's like, no, you could do it. Um, and it got to the point where like my knees were so messed up that I just can't run anymore. Um, so all of that was, and then I was very reactive to people. Um, I was a mean sister. Like I was just angry. And yet at the same time, I was so afraid of embodying anger whenever my therapist would ask me to like notice it in my body or express the anger to my dad, like imagining expressing to my dad, I would just start to cry. Right. I would be afraid because rage was so scary. Like anger was a really scary emotion. And my mom too, like with her, 
she always has a smile on her face and everything is fine. Even though I see her anxiety as well, like behind her eyes. Yeah. Um, so there was a lot that I had to look at. Was the alcoholism even like acknowledged in your house? So it just during the time that he was drinking and I would always overhear my mom threaten that she was going to leave him. And that was scary as well. Cause what did that mean? Where was right. I going to go? Where were my sisters going to go? Um, and then when my dad finally went to rehab and my mom didn't drive either. So it's like now we had to walk everywhere and she worked as a, um, at a childcare at an adult school in Napa. And the school was probably, I don't know, like three miles away from our home. And she would work the night school. So we would walk home at night. Like there was just so many moments where just thinking about it makes me like want to cry. How Um, old were you when your dad finally went to rehab? I was about eight or nine. Um, So he's been sober for a really long time, but it definitely... And how old are your sisters? So you definitely carried more of the brunt then. Yeah. yeah. So my sister, like my youngest sisters, they're twins and they're seven, seven years younger. So they don't so remember they didn't know anything. They right. were babies. And then the middle sister, she's three years younger and she has shared that she's locked out a lot of stuff or doesn't yeah. really remember. Um, so then it was also confusing to them on like why I was behaving the way right. I was. Um, so why are you so angry at the family? Right. Yeah. So angry. And also like, why are you acting like our mom? Like you're not our mom yet at the same time, I'm just getting all of this pressure from my parents to help out, to cook, to clean the house, to take care of my sisters. So I had to also make my amends with my sisters. And I wrote letters to each of them apologizing for my behavior for, um, rejecting my pain onto them and for being a really mean sister (laughs) and also explaining to them um, or sharing with them, you know, what my experience was um, as a child. And they were actually very surprised by that because they weren't aware of any of that really. Um, And two of my sisters like really accepted it. And one of them didn't really respond to it like she just responded in an email um so it's taken a little bit longer to heal that journey or that relationship um because we're all very different as well yeah very so like how mean did you get like how how mean could you be I mean I think it's just say really mean stuff I don't know like I guess a bully um I don't know. I feel like a lot of older siblings are like that, just normally. (laughs) I know. I know. I'm just owning up to it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And not, and also not excusing it. It's like, that's not okay. That is abusive. And I'm sorry. And um, I was really angry and you did not deserve uh, for me to lash out on you. And your mom, can you ever sit down and have some of these deeper conversations with your mom? Or does she just play it all off kind of like... So I had the last deep conversation that I had with my whole family was about two years ago. And so because I'm very opinionated and I, <laughs> and I 
want to talk about things, I find that my family doesn't really tell me a lot of stuff. (laughs) And so one of the really big things that I learned about through a magazine was uh, like one of my sister's alumni magazine from college was that she was interviewed and she shared that our parents are going to go live with her. And this is not in Napa. This is like in the Salinas area in Monterey County. And so I saw that she shared this article on Facebook and I read it. And that's where I learned that my parents were leaving Napa and going to go move with her. Wait, no one told you that they were leaving your home? And I was so hurt and shocked. And I asked my sister, I have a sister that lives in LA. I'm like, did you know about this? She's like, yeah. I'm like, why didn't you tell me? So I felt so betrayed and just, um, I mean, even though I know it's my parents' life and their decision, like just not being included in that conversation felt. And what did they say when you asked them? Is By the way, was that still your same home from like childhood? Yes, it was. So that's yeah. a little crazy. What, yeah. what did they say when you confronted them? They... Um, my mom just said like, well, it's not going to happen anytime soon. Like, we'll see, we'll see. Like, well, her saying is actually, a ver, uh, Dios dirá, God will say, Dios dirá. Like, that's her response to everything and drives me crazy. <laughs> I'm like, Dios is not going to decide. God is not going to decide. You're going to decide. Right. So we finally had a, a family meeting about this about two years ago. Um, and expressing my concerns and I basically communicated how hurt I was that I wasn't included in this conversation and it wasn't even really about them leaving it was more that I found out through this like yeah and that that's just really shitty and and like totally it and my dad just got really defensive and he's like um what do you care I'm like what do I care I mean you guys are leaving my childhood home like it's a big deal Um, and I was crying. I guess I was raising my voice. So then my dad was like, (laughs) don't, don't yell at me. Um, by the way, all of this was happening around the kitchen table. Oh my God. It's like a scripted series. I love it. And then it was like a a (laughs) telenovela scene, like for sure. Soap opera. Um, and then he said, he said to me, like, you're not my mother. Oof. And I said to him, you're the one that made me the mother of this family all of those, those years that you were a drunk. Oh, this is a telenovela scene. This is so telenovela. I can't believe I'm disclosing all of I love it. And what did he say? It was like dead silence. Like you could just see, like it just fucking hit him like a ton of bricks. And my mom just gasped and she was like, oh my God, like she got up and she was like, Dios oh my mio. God, we're, we're going back there. And I'm like, yeah, you guys are the ones that from a young age made me responsible for so much until this day. Like you asked me to do so much for you. So don't be surprised that, I'm, that I act like the mom of this group. This is the role that you guys have given me. So they are now living with my sister in Salinas. <laughs> It's funny that people don't see at the most simplest core of it all in that it's like, regardless, of course, it's their choice and their decision, their home. But like, 
to pretend that if it is your child at home, that you're not going to have an emotion around it and to not just let you know, hey, this is what's happening. Yeah. It's so interesting. You know, it's funny when my parents left my childhood home, they told me, however, I was the last person they told out of everybody in the family. Mm. And in fairness, they were just like, we figured you would have the hardest time with it. And they were right. Like I was, I'm definitely was more emotionally connected and, and I got to go home. Like I went home and I said, my, see, that's a different thing because they did tell me, I was like, okay, like I'm going to go home. I did a visit. And then I was so dramatic. I had to walk to every single room and say goodbye, which is so funny. And now I'm so different. Now I'm like, whatever, times change. We're moving out of this house. I love it's fine. Like I'm not the same way, but at that time of life for sure. But they did tell me, but I remember even just knowing that the whole family knew for such a long time and I didn't actually was kind of hurtful. Absolutely. And so I couldn't imagine if they just never told me and then it was like, I found out from something random. I'd be actually, because again, I would never tell them not to do it. I mean, I asked a bunch of questions. They were allowed to do whatever they want. Yeah. But of course it has an impact on me because that was my formative years and for good or for bad, you're going to have some sort of emotion around it. Yeah. And for me, I'm not a homeowner. You know, I live in LA and uh, I've had kind of some terrible things where I move into a place and then shortly after the landlord tells me that they're selling it to developers and then I have to move again, you know? So it's like all of that was kind of happening around the same time. And so uh, just going back to my childhood home was my safety, was like the place where my body felt that it could just relax and let go and I didn't have to worry about anything. And so feeling like that was being taken away from me really triggered my little girl. And so when they finally were moving out at the beginning of last year, I went home to, similar to you, say goodbye to the house. And I was crying hysterically. And they were really uncomfortable with that. And (laughs) my mom was like, well, it's luckily they didn't sell the house. They just they rented it, but I knew, but I knew that they, they're not going to go back. Like they're in their seventies, you know, it's like, they're not going to move again. And it's okay for you to say goodbye to, but like, and let it go. But it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt or there's not a shit ton of emotion. I remember when my parents told me and I had my little girl reaction and I was like, but what if I want to get married in that house? And my parents were like, would you? I'm like, I don't know, but you've taken away that choice. Like, It's like that little child of like feeling like things are being, it's like, ultimately there was a lot of spoiled brat stuff coming out for sure. I was, I was younger. It's not, it didn't happen like last week, but um, it was, was just that feeling of like, and it's okay. You come to terms with it. You come to terms with like, it's okay that I don't have that choice. But in that moment, you are the little girl who just feels like, but this is all I know. And it yeah. just gets taken away. And yeah. it's interesting that they don't, they didn't have kind of the emotional maturity to just know you were going to have big emotions about yeah. it. It didn't mean you were going to have to change their mind. Yeah. That's so interesting. It's interesting that you've gone into this area. Were there any signs when you were younger that you kind of were into the spiritual world or? Um, just sense I would always connect with angels Mm. and again like because there was a lot of uh, stress in my childhood home like I would call on angels to like help me a lot and like make sure that my mom got home safe after work or you know things like that and then once I got older I wasn't conscious of it but I'm a really great manifester. <laughs> mm. And so whatever 
basically I wanted, I would get, even though people would tell me that's impossible. Like that's not going to happen. I'm like, yeah, it is. And it would happen. Um, so there was that as well. And then interestingly, when I was in college in Berkeley, I was really stressed out. I was working like part-time, had a full load of classes and I came across this elective class of meditation. So I took it because I felt like I needed it, but (laughs) I was not ready for it. Like, no, yeah. Berkeley, like we were out at um, Free People's Park, I think (laughs) is what it's called. And people's eyes were rolling back. Like they were, their body was moving. I'm like, what the fuck is going on right now? I was so uptight. Do you remember what kind of meditation it was? Like, were they? I know. I don't even remember. Um, But it was really, it made me uncomfortable at the same time. I was really curious. I'm Mm -hmm. like, what is happening? Um, But I just couldn't follow through. So it wasn't until years afterwards that, again, I found myself in this really just stressed out place where, like ask and you shall receive. Like I, a friend of mine, I was meeting up with her for lunch and she's like, oh my God, you're the perfect friend to meet up with right now. I just had a facial, but it was actually a healing session. She's like, I don't know what happened to me, but this woman apparently is this healer. And I felt my body get really hot and I started to cry and I felt this release. I'm like, oh, that's weird, but cool. Awesome. And you're like, I'll have that facial. (laughs) Yeah. So then I had a session with her and that was basically my awakening where everything that she said was validating how I felt or what was currently happening in my life. And I also felt like I was levitating. My body was moving involuntarily. I was crying. It was, it was fascinating and weird. And then afterwards I left her place and I felt magnetic. Like I felt like I was glowing and literally like people on the street would turn to look at me. And it wasn't because of how I was looking. Like it was just like this yeah, energetic. I was insane. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, this is so cool. Can I do it for myself? So I went home the next day. I laid on the ground and I tried to recreate the thoughts that came up for me during the healing session. And sure enough, my body was like moving by itself. It was being stretched. I'm like, my legs were being moved. I'm like, what is happening? And then the angels were like, we're stretching you. I'm like, what? Cool. <laughs> now, so talk about your angels a little bit. Like when you would call on them when you were younger, do you remember any instances where like you definitely felt that it were th- was them or something very obvious? You know what I mean? I always tended to call on them for favors, like to help out. There was this one time where my sister, my middle sister like ran away. We couldn't find her. And the whole neighborhood was like looking for her. And I was in my parents' bedroom, like, praying to God and my angel I'm like please help us find my sister and then I hear a snoring sound my <laughs> sister's under my parents bed asleep and I was like oh my god that's so funny was she hiding there on purpose like was that her running away and then she fell asleep I think so I'm not even sure like I think she was just upset and 
that, yeah, that was her running away. Like, I'm just going to hide and make everyone get worried about me. I feel like I did that too. I was like, I'm <laughs> running away. And it was like, I walked around the corner and just like yeah. hid somewhere like next to the house <laughs> because I was like too much of a wimp to actually like figure it out on my own. <laughs> I was like, let them yeah. worry, but without me having to actually go through any of the stress. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah. funny. And so you still clearly have a strong relationship with your angels. Yeah, I do. Angels. And then right now, whenever I, I hold space for my clients with breath work, um, there's this, she just feels like this really ancient woman that helps, helps me just like protects my space and also guides me. Um, my dog also passed away last year I'm and I feel sorry. like she's become one of my, my little angels where he's helping me as well. So I'm definitely all about the, the end, the things that we can't see, um, connect on just such a deeper level and, and drop in and just feel so much love and support. It, it's very soothing to me. Yeah. Talk about breath work then. So how did you then find breath work? Well, I was doing my psychotherapy and I had such a great therapist where she also made me aware of how the body holds trauma. So she introduced me to TRE, trauma release exercises, where you're fatiguing, you're isolating different muscles and fatiguing them to the point where then they start to shake involuntarily. And that can also have an emotional relief. So that was really cool. And then, <laughs> um, yeah, then I, I came across my first healer, Theo. I was introduced to Theta Healing. And so I was starting to kind of explore. I'm a very curious person and love to learn. Mm -hmm. So I was just kind of like taking whatever was coming my way. And then I randomly came across a breathwork class um, at a crystal shop and I didn't know what it was, but I'm like, I'm going to go check it out. He told me to lay down on the ground, to take an inhale from my belly and my chest and then exhale. They were playing music. And then all of a sudden my hands got really tight. Yeah, I started, the <laughs> yeah, the tent knee came up. I started bawling. There is just this intense energy happening in my body with the emotional release. And then by the end, again, I just felt like this huge weight was lifted. And I was blown away that when I stepped outside, literally the colors of everything looked so much brighter. Like the sky was so blue, the trees were green. And I couldn't believe that by breathing. Like this was the first time where the healer wasn't telling me what she was seeing or he was mm -hmm. seeing in my space. Rather, I was receiving all of these messages and information. And so I felt super empowered. I'm like, whoa, I can do it by myself. And so I continued to practice breath work for myself. Actually, when I got home, um, I told my boyfriend, like, hey, lay down and do this breathing technique. So I like immediately went into holding space and he started to do it and also like started crying and started to have like these physical contractions in his body. And he stopped. He's like, I don't know what's happening right now, but this is way too intense. Um, so I just continued practicing breath work for myself. And it helped me so much with managing my anxiety, with processing emotions, with reconnecting to my power that I knew it. I'm like, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to learn how to facilitate. I had already done a theta healing training and it was great. But I'm like, oh, this feels like a, like therapy a little too much. And I don't really want that. Um, and I loved, again, the simplicity of the breath and how you can also help so many people. Like 
Theta was one-on-one -on -one for the most part. And with breathwork, like you could have a whole room and people are breathing and having these incredible realizations. It's, and it is so interesting, the vehicle of the breath. I talk about that in class a lot. Um, people have no clue the power of the breath. Yeah. And obviously when you do it, how you do it, then it can become super intense and the releases are amazing. I remember my first like breathwork session too. It was great. And I committed. I remember like mm -hmm. the person was like, I love it. You committed. Like I was like, I'm doing it. Like mm -hmm. I actually always commit when I do breath work. I really enjoy it. And though it can be exhausting. Mm -hmm. And I remember somewhere like almost towards the end, this deep utter sadness came out of something mm -hmm. that I had no clue I was still sad about. That's what was so right. surprising. Sometimes stuff comes up and yeah. you're like, oh God, I haven't thought about that in a while or blah. Yeah. This was something that I just didn't realize I was still that sad about. Like I was mm -hmm. like, really? And I was so fucking sad about it. And it really surprised me and shook me, but in a great way. I was like, wow, good. Like I'm pulling out stuff that clearly I hadn't fully finished processing that I wasn't aware mm -hmm. of. Um, it has that power. I always say it's like the deepest vehicle. It can go far into you and then tow truck pull that stuff out. And it's amazing. Yeah. Once I started to do classes and hold space, I realized that I was getting these messages. Like I kept on hearing words or I was seeing images. And I thought it was really weird. I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but let me just continue telling people to breathe. And it wouldn't leave, like it would get so distracting and loud that it wouldn't leave my mind until I physically said it out loud. And then once I communicated that message, then it went away. And then another message came through. So I'm like, okay, this is interesting. And throughout this whole time, I'm still, till this day, work with people with other healers to, to help in my own journey. And so one of my healer mentors, he's like, all right, you need to go to clairvoyant school so you can learn how to protect your space and just kind of harness this information that you're receiving. So while I was still starting out to to facil facilitate breathwork classes, I went to a clairvoyant school in El Segundo. And I was there for almost about two years. And it starts out really slow where it's basically just learning how to ground your space. But now I see why that's so important. As you mentioned, breath work can bring up a lot of mm -hmm. really strong emotions in people. And it can be really activating to the body. And if you don't know how to create a safe container for your clients or class, like it can be almost re-traumatizing. And so while I was in this program, I was able to learn how to not only protect my space, but hold space. Um, but then realize like, oh, I'm like receiving downloads or like information from my clients. Basically I'm having like a soul to soul communication. So whatever currently is in their space that wants to be validated, that's the information that I'm getting to communicate with them. So at first, I would be nervous about sharing that because, again, it is weird. <laughs> and yeah. what, if it, what if it's not something that resonates with them? But I've learned to trust even when they tell me, like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Then, like, a year later, they're like, oh, yeah, so you know how I was molested as a kid? I'm like, no, <laughs> no. And he's like, oh, that probably would have been, like, helpful to tell you, huh? I'm like, I mean, no wonder I kept on seeing a certain image uh, so now I just, you just do it and trust I, I that, trust, but I'm also, um, if there is a very traumatic 
memory that comes up like an abuse. Um, I'm really sensitive and careful about that and kind of wait for them to, to share if that's something that they want to, to look at. Um, so now my practice is a combination of not only the breath, but also this intuitive guidance that I have seen in my clients just allows for accelerated healing and transformation Yeah, where I'm kind of like the, the, not the driver, but I'm like giving them directions like, okay, turn here, look at this. Um, does this, is there anything there? And they're like, oh my God, yeah, I can't believe like to your point, this really old memory is the exact same feeling that they're currently feeling because of the way their boss made them feel. Right. And so going back and healing, validating, healing, giving love to their inner child has been really remarkable and changing for them. How have you felt like, especially during the pandemic, it has been a huge, you know, savior, I'm sure for a lot of people mm-hmm. or a boost, or at least like a helping hands. How, yeah. how do you feel like it on just that type of day-to-day basis? The pandemic has been really incredible. First of all, it was very challenging because my whole practice had to change from doing in-person classes and sessions to everything virtually. And it was something that I already wanted to do, but there was a lot of resistance in my community and with my clients where they're like, well, you're just here. Like, I'm I'm just going to go to one of your classes. Like, why would I want to do it through the internet? So there wasn't that, that trust at the beginning that they could still have this like intense, powerful experience if they weren't in my physical presence. So the pandemic helped them, encouraged them. I think and it's helped so, everyone realize that. Yeah. Surprised on how anything that we do, any modality, almost any job, like it's we can't beyond do Beyond time it. and space. Yes. It doesn't yes. need, it does you don't have to be, I say that all the time when I teach, I tell them, I'm like, it's interesting. Like I actually feel unbelievably connected to all of you. Like it's like, I can get mm-hmm. into the zone and just close my eyes. Yeah. And I just, it's as if we're all together. It doesn't matter that I see yeah. a face or don't see a face, just see all like icons, yeah. like mm-hmm. you can totally do it. Absolutely. And, and so any energy healing, that, of course. Yeah. And from that, that inspired me to create a free offering called community gathering that I started in March of last year. Just so and nice that a weekly Saturday morning, I'm on Pacific time where people gather and we breathe. You just show up with whatever you're currently feeling. And it's been incredible. Like it's the community is over 2000 people now. And um, at the peak of the pandemic, when everything was shut down, I would have like 500 people show up and it's all ages. Right. My oldest person that I know that I'm aware of who's part of community gathering. She's 95 years old. It's I like love the it. mom of my clients. And then also oh. parents with their little kids and their children end up just falling asleep. So it's been beautiful to see this generational healing happening where my clients have introduced their family members and their loved ones to this. And people have been just so overwhelmed that it has encouraged them to be more Mm open-minded to people who would have never meditated before. Like I have people all over the country and the world um, joining are now learning and experiencing firsthand the benefits of the breath and how simple yet healing and powerful it is. And so it's been an absolute joy and honor to guide so many people in this practice and have incredible healing during such a challenging time. 
I love that. And it's so interesting. Again, back to the breath. It's like, I think when you start doing breath work, you start shifting how you breathe every day, like in everyday life. Cause look, none of us are perfect breathers. I mean, we're all shallow breathers now. And so a taking any time to do deep, long breathing or it's huge, but it does change. You're so much more aware of it that, that I feel like you end up pausing more during the day. You end up breathing a little bit better. It's just automatically just starts shifting you in practical real life. Yeah. And I've noticed it for myself at the beginning of last year, my house got broken into and I wasn't in my house at the time, but my dog walker showed up and she's like, the front doors are completely open. And, you know, I got this phone call And I noticed that my body automatically like dropped the breath to my diaphragm and it started to regulate itself. And I was so proud of my body. I'm like, oh my God, you know how to like take care of me, even though this is a really stressful uh, place. But because I, I have been practicing for a while now, like, yeah, my body knows what to do. um, I have the same thing, by the way. It's so funny. Our house a long time ago, it was broken into, and it was my dog walker is the one who discovered it. And it was so stressful because first of all, that was the last job he ever did. Like we basically threw him into retirement. Basically he was like, I'm oh. done. Like after that, because we had two dogs and they, they keep your house. So they waited for the dog walker to leave. And so then he came in and this is my favorite thing. My husband at the time calls me, I'm at work. I'm actually in an edit bay, like on a pilot. And I remember they're like, your husband's on the phone. I'm like, huh? Like it just never happens. I was like, okay. So already I was like, who died? Which, you know, you have that pit, which it wasn't that, which was obviously much better. Um, And he was like, someone I think broke into our house. I'm like, what? He's like, well, (laughs) this is my favorite thing. He goes, the dog walker went in there and he called me right away. And he said, the doors are open. It's a mess. And my husband's response was like, well, yeah. Is it like a mess? Like Tal's mess? (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, excuse me? What? And the guy was like, no, this is like an insane mess. But I was like, Terrence, what the, what? Like how messy do you think I am? <laughs> but I love that that was his response. Like, well, I mean, cause my ex was really neat. Um, mm-hmm. And he was actually really great. Cause he never gave me a hard time about not being as anal. But yeah. I love that that was the first time it really came out. He's like, is it like Tall's mess? I'm like, what? I'm not like, I'm not breaking into the house, ransack a house messy. Are you kidding me? Yeah. By the way, when he came home and saw it, he was like, Oh, sorry. No, you're not this. Because <laughs> they do. They, they, you know, they. Yeah. For us, it was stressful because our dog, one of our dogs, had run and was barking all the way through the back. Because I guess they had, must have just been leaving. Yeah. And then because of the wind, the door slammed in the back, oh. and so what everyone thought was that they were still in the house and they were oh, with gosh. our dog. Oh gosh. So then it was like with one of our dogs. So then it was like, oh fuck, this is bad. I mean, the SWAT team came. It was like a whole thing. By the time I got there, it was like the SWAT team was like leaving. I was like, oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, it's stressful because your whole house then gets like- Yeah, such a violation. Such a violation. And I don't know about you with us. They took nothing that they could make any money on, just all the shit to make your life more difficult. So it was like, you know, like it was like my grandmother's jewelry that was worth nothing like mm-hmm. brass and like this, but it would work, was worth everything to me emotionally, yeah. you know, or like, and my favorite was they took the one expensive thing I had. My best friend had gotten me bed sheets that were like really expensive because mm-hmm. I don't buy that stuff. And they used the damn pillowcase for their like loot. Oh and my be- gosh. No. And I remember like once we cleaned up, I looked around, I'm like, oh my God, 
they took the damn pillowcase. That was like the most expensive thing they got. But I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, you know, they're not using it for anything. Right. They were just using it to carry the shit that wasn't worth anything. Wow. And I was like, and you know, they're going to throw it out. Not really. It was yeah. just so funny. But I mean, what? you can only laugh because what yeah. else can you do? Yeah. But that's interesting that your body to the actual point regulated mm-hmm. itself, mm-hmm. which is unbelievable. Yeah. I love that. Do you get so much joy from what you do? It seems like you do. I do. It just lights me up so much. Like it energizes me. People are like, don't you get exhausted? Like all this like dark stuff that you see. I'm like, no, I like feel so happy and full of love and have this burst of energy after a class or working with someone. And I think it's just so beautiful that we, people are waking up that people are starting to take ownership of their life and to change things and to heal and to talk about it and that this is becoming more normalized and healers aren't being killed for doing this work anymore. You know, there's just like so much that has shifted and it's become so mainstream, which there's some problems with that as well, but the accessibility and things to the internet, like it's just you can find it anywhere if you're ready for it and open to it. So has your dad done the breath work? My dad has not done the breath work, but he's received Reiki from me and he's gone to my shaman who he's, he really loves. And actually both of my parents, they did a session with my original healer, Theo. Your mom too? My mom too. And she, she got a lot of validation there as well. Um, my mom's an insomniac and she's just terrified of letting go, letting go of control. Like even when she's had surgeries, like the anesthesia will not put her down, which is really frightening. Um, wow. So she, she's just terrified of letting go of not being in control. And so it's, it's hard for her to be, to put herself in, in situations like that where someone else is like helping her move energy and stuff like that. But she, she did experience it once and she also allowed me to give her a Reiki healing session once because she had a terrible headache and she's like, Oh my God, it felt like your hands were on fire. Like when you were touching my head, I'm like, I wasn't touching your head. And she was so confused. <laughs> but at the same time, that reminds me, I'm like, my mom is also like a psychic. She Always. has these psychic dreams where she's like, I dreamt about this. And then it happens, right? So whenever she has these dreams, we're like, oh gosh, better be good. By the way, that might be her fear of letting go. Cause maybe as a yeah. kid, it was very overwhelming. And yeah. so then she like just shut it down. And then, yeah. so that could be it. It's, she's just way yeah. too connected, mm-hmm. you know? Okay, let's do your four years, which are four quick questions with four quick answers. What do you do when you first wake up? Um, what do I do when I first wake up? Oh, I remember my dreams. I like take inventory. I'm like, what was trying to communicate it to me last night? Um, so I love doing that. And I get- I literally was just I- talking about that this morning. What? Because people were telling me like, in class, people were asked, not sleeping well and having crazy dreams, blah, blah, blah. And I said, you guys, like, honestly, the best thing you can do, and it's hard for me because my child tends to wake me up. So yeah. I don't always get to do it. But I was like, the best thing you can do is just sit there and try and just remember your dreams, like nice. beyond almost anything else, because you're getting communicate. And the more you do it, the easier it is to recall them. Yes. Yeah. I have very vivid dreams. I don't write them down. Maybe I should start writing them down, but I love doing that. That's like my first thing that I do. Yeah. I, and I have crazy vivid dreams too. And I feel like I wake up a lot in the middle of the night. So I remember one and then go back to sleep. So then I forget mm. that one. So it's always like, it's Yeah. 
some crazy dreams. What, um, so what's been the craziest dream you've had? We'll make that number two. I mean, just last night, not that it was a crazy dream, but it was like, because my next door neighbor was having a loud party until 3 a.m. Um, in my dream, it was like me trying to find management of this hotel that I'm staying at to, <laughs> to get them to fix the problem. And I couldn't, it became like this whole set. I was basically at a back lot, like in Warner Brothers or something. And there was this, it became like an obstacle course. Uh, it was just way too involved. And I'm like, <laughs> no, someone help me. I need help. That's so funny. Really kind of funny. <laughs> um, what is something you can't live without? There's so many things that come to mind, but one thing that I love that's really nourishing for me is a bathtub. Mm, I love a bathtub. Lately, especially during the pandemic, and I feel a little guilty because, you know, there's a drought in California, but a hot bath with a lot of bath salts is just so nourishing. And I put some drops of essential oils, whether it's eucalyptus or lavender, sometimes rose, and it's like you need a bathtub wherever I live. Yeah. Good to know, by the way, it's always good to know that because I'm the same way. And there's been like, when we're looking for places to live all the time, I'm like, doesn't have a bathtub or, yep. right. Or if it's, yeah. Um, what's something you learned about yourself in the pandemic? Um, that I'm really great at handling high stress situations. Um, I think it goes back to my childhood of just always having to navigate. Like my dad, is he going to be like pissed off today? like being able to pivot. Mm -hmm. um, so I was able to quickly make decisions even before we went into shutdown regarding my business. And I felt like it kind of put me ahead of like some of my other colleagues and just constantly like trying things. And if it doesn't work, all right, letting go and let me try something new. Um, my friend of the husband really helpful during the pandemic or just super not, helpful. not freezing. And by the way, what a nice thing to discover about yourself. Yeah. You know, so many people have trouble like honoring the things that make them great. And it's like, that's such a great thing. I can handle stress and that's beautiful because then you can help someone who can't handle stress as yeah. well. Yeah. So it's Absolutely. like a nice pair. I've loved talking to you. I know you're going to do your personal Likewise. practice, which I'm excited about, but this was so great. And thank you for being so open, especially about your childhood. Cause I know it's probably actually very relatable and a lot of people have, yeah. you know, we, we all have something is what I always like to say. And so it's always nice to share because I think it really touches people and allows people to understand themselves a little bit more. I appreciate it. No, thank you for creating a safe space for me to just share with you my, they're not secrets, but yeah, I love it. Some of my most vulnerable times in my life. But thank you. And thank you for doing that. I really did enjoy talking to you. You're welcome to all. Sunette Anna is going to lead us in her personal practice, which is going to be a grounding meditation. When you're ready, inviting you to gently close your eyes, getting into a comfortable position, whether it's seated or lying down. We're going to start by taking a deep inhale in through your nose. Slow exhale out of your mouth. Deep breath in and exhale. Deep breath in 
and exhale. As you're breathing, starting to say hello to your body. Noticing what is your body holding on to in this moment? What sensations, what emotions? And as you're noticing, you're doing it without any judgment. You're just saying hello to your body and thank you. Imagine that you're sitting on a tree trunk. Beautiful, supportive, wide tree trunk that's holding your body. Imagining that this tree trunk has roots that are connected to Mother Earth. All the way down to the core of the planet. We're going to imagine that this tree trunk is able to start to help you release from your body anything or anyone in your space that you no longer need. Gently pulling from your body any worry, any busyness, any fear. Any tension. Telling your body and mind that it is safe to let go. It is safe to open up and receive. It's safe to be held. And as your body's releasing, imagining that it's getting softer, more open. Inviting you to connect with your heart. And think about one thing that you are grateful for in this moment. Feel free to sit here in gratitude for as long as you would like. When you're ready to come back, you can again gently become aware of your body, you can wiggle your fingers, toes, and taking a deep breath in through your nose. Slow exhale out of your mouth. Deep breath in. 
Slow exhale. And one more. And slow exhale. And taking your time to gently, slowly open your eyes. Ten Talks podcast would not exist without these incredible people, Nicole Rappi, Reem Edon, Hayden Fungheiser, Kim Bielek, and music by Alex Fetter. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And also wherever you listen, please go and leave us a review. It's so greatly appreciated. It really does help us out. If you want to keep talking about all this stuff, please join our community on our secret Facebook page. Go to Facebook, search Den Talks Podcast, and join us there. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com.